1: Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. And I'm Helen.
0: May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, APAM for short. During this month, we celebrate the cultures, traditions, and history of AAPIs in the United States. APAM was first commemorated in 1978, and the month of May was chosen to commemorate the immigration of the first Japanese to the U.S. on May 7th, and to mark the anniversary of the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad on May 10th. 1869. This country is very much shaped by the stories of immigrants from Asia and the Pacific and the native people of the Pacific Islands. Today, we will be sharing with you our personal stories as Asian American women, our journey with our cultural identity, and how we've come to express and reinterpret this identity.
2: Let's start with a quick reminder for everyone um, about where everyone's parents came
1: from, their background, and where you grew up. I'll start us off. Um, So my parents were born in Taiwan, and my mother immigrated to the U.S., Hawaii-specific, at the age of 14. And so she was definitely assimilated to the American culture at a very young age. She met my stepdad when I was around four, and my stepdad arrived to the U.S. when he was 31. They have a kind of a slight difference of upbringing in the U.S. My mom's more Americanized, while my dad has more of the traditional background of being Taiwanese. And I grew up in Northern California in Union City. Bay City or Bay Area. Bay Area. So your mom uh, first came to Hawaii and
2: then when did she make the move to the Bay Area?
1: From what I remember, she came to California when she was probably around 24, 25. It's mm. so be 10 years after she came to Hawaii. Oh, wow. How about you, Helen? So my parents
0: immigrated here from China, uh, specifically the city of Hoiping in Guangzhou, which is uh, west of Macau and part of southern China. And my parents came here in their early 20s. They had my sister very shortly after and then me like two years after. And we grew up in a town called Austin in the city of Boston. My parents spoke very limited English, couldn't really help me with my homework. Um, and they are very, very traditional Chinese.
2: That's my background. How about you, Janet? My parents, they both came to the US from Taiwan around their mid-20s on um, education visas. And I believe both sides have um, younger and my mom's side, older siblings. And I think they were the first in their families to come. And my mom actually started out in San Diego and my dad in Texas. uh, And then later he went to San Francisco. So they spent the bulk of their time in California and they actually met at like mutual friends house party, I think, in LA. Then when they got married and I was born in Long Beach uh, and then we moved our family to Orange County, Mission Viejo, where I grew up for most of my life. Uh, and when they came over, I think they, they had like moderate English skills, uh, but I think mostly it was developed while they were here uh, working. What were some of your guys' uh, favorite childhood memories growing up in an Asian household?
1: Male, Male, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So I definitely think being surrounded by family was a definitely fond memory for me. I actually grew up with my grandparents living with us, and my aunts and uncles are really close by, so they would always come over for dinner. And so family gatherings were a common thing for me growing up and also i'm the oldest child of my family so i was very fortunate enough to have my aunts and uncles to myself for a couple of years like my brother wasn't born until i was seven Mm -hmm. so i had seven years of like individual private time with my aunts and uncles and i remember moments like after dinner we would like go to like the living room and they'd play video games or card games and i'd be that little kid just sitting with them feeling like oh my god they're so cool because my aunts and uncles were like 23 25 and most of them spoke english with each other so I feel like that younger kid hanging out with your older... like They felt like my cousins versus my aunt uncle. Mm. That was definitely a fond memory for me growing up. Um, how about
0: you guys? So I grew up in an apartment building where uh, my family... So my parents, my grandparents on my mom's side, me and my sister lived... It was a three-story apartment, so we lived on the top floor... Um, my dad's younger brother and his family of four lived on the second floor. And then my grandparents on my dad's side, his younger sister and their family of four lived on the first floor. So it was like 16 people in total um, that was all that were all living in close quarters. And it was like packed. It was like the Wu and the Ng family, which is kind of interesting because my grandpa, when he came here, his last name is M, which is Ng in Cantonese. And then when my dad came here, for some reason, the translator thought that we were Mandarin-speaking. So they changed mm-hmm. our name to Wu instead of Ing, in, like, the English form. Chinese character is the same. Mm-hmm. So I thought that wow. was always, like, really interesting that it was, like, the Ing and Wu household, but it should be just the Ing household. <laughs> but that, like, one slip-up, and I've heard from other people that this has happened between, like, the names like Choi, and, like, there are certain, mm-hmm. certain names that can be switched uh, between Mandarin uh, and Cantonese. But overall, I feel like I grew up in a very strong, family-supported Asian household. Like, we would keep all of our apartment doors open, and the kids would just be sliding down the, the banisters of the stairwell and, like, hanging out. And whenever it was dinner time, you could smell just, like, Chinese cooking from all the three floors. And we would, like, bring soup to one another or just have dinners together. Thinking back now, like, it was a very good memory
2: of just, like, my childhood. Oh, that
1: sounds so much fun. Like, very, like, Asian... Full house, in
2: a (laughs) sense. Yeah. Similar to Mel, my grandparents lived with us uh, when I was uh, a lot younger. And um, I was really close with my paternal grandmother, and so I have a lot of fond memories uh, with her. Um, and so she she was in her maybe like 60s to 70s um, when she was living with us. And she would get up every morning at like 6 a.m. and go for morning walks. And I remember being like mm. 5 or 6 um, and getting up and going on walks with her. And she was also a Chinese literature teacher. So she taught me how to write oh, my wow. name in Chinese. And she was really into calligraphy. So we learned like with brushes and ink. She would make me practice like... Uh, characters for like China and then also for my my Chinese name like on the Chinese newspaper pages. So I have a lot of memories of that. Uh, and she also loved soap operas, Chinese
1: soap operas. So <laughs> mm, I totally agree. Like my grandma, I would come home and she'd be watching soap operas and I would just watch it with her. Yeah. yeah. That's how I would learn the language. Yeah, yeah. Here, yeah. I,
0: watched a, I watched a lot of like, a, actually a lot of like Cantonese dramas, modern day ones mm. and also the old school ones with like the sword fighting yeah. and the flying through trees. And yeah, I think that's yeah. where, because a lot of um, Taiwanese people can speak Cantonese, but not a lot of Cantonese people can speak Taiwanese. And I think it's because we grew up on so much like Hong Kong Cantonese speaking like dramas and TV Media. shows, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That is really cool. I actually, uh, along the lines of like Chinese media, so my family, we lived in Mission Viejo, but on the weekends we would drive up to Roland Heights in LA area, which is kind of like where a lot of um, Asian American or just Asian people were. So, because my dad like loved Chinese food, so every weekend we would go there and it's an hour drive. And so we would listen to music in the car. And I grew up listening to a lot of like my parents' like Chinese singer tapes. Mm. Um, I still remember the name of one woman. Her name was uh, Xue Ke, which is I've never been able to find it again, but it just, when I was younger, that was like one of my favorite ones. There was a lot of like exposure, I guess, to to Chinese like language media. And we, we actually would, when we drove up there as well, I was, uh, I took Chinese school, but I was like a second grade dropout. <laughs> but the thing that I remember learning uh, was singing head, shoulders, knees and toes in Chinese. And I have memories of like our car rides up to LA area and we would just sing it together as a family in the car. Oh my and God, so- that's so cute. <laughs> Uh, and then another another kind of random memory that came to my mind as we were kind of like preparing for this episode. Uh, you know, in Chinese culture,, uh, there's like a bunch of different holidays. And one of the ones that sticks out in my mind is the moon festival oh, because yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember being like very young and my parents explaining to me. And my dad was like, uh, I still remember he was like holding me because I remember the perspective of like clinging onto his shoulders, and he was pointing to the moon, and he told me the story of like uh, I think it's a Chinese folklore tale of the princess and the rabbit that like went to the moon or something. Yeah, um, yes. yeah. So the I have m- memories of that uh, of those of those types of things. So I had
0: like dreams about being that princess with the rabbit oh. and being on the moon
2: Whoa. and then I would stare
0: into the moon and be like I can see it I can see the rabbit. <laughs> yes.
2: Did you guys grow up like speaking the language in your home like do you remember like how you learned English and how that transition happened?
1: Yeah I remember for me so in my household like um, we actually spoke Taiwanese so my first language was Mandarin and Taiwanese so like my grandparents would speak Taiwanese to my mom and like definitely like Janet like you like my parents would blast taiwanese or chinese music and like that was the first thing i picked up on and like we watched a lot of variety shows mm, and dramas yeah. or like there's a show called happy sunday i think isa tv and wong food they did like this like series based on these Ch- asian oh, shows where yeah. like it's like there's like these walls and you have to like act us act like a uh act something out and then the next person has to act on what i like, kind of like act what you acted and it goes down the it's line like it's like telephone yeah. Exactly. So I think for me watching the shows really just enhanced my language. So like Mandarin and Taiwanese were like my first few languages. And then I learned English in preschool and I didn't understand what they were saying in preschool because all I understood was Chinese. So did you learn from your classmates then? I learned my classmates and my teachers and like when I was four how to speak English wow
0: yeah I think that was the same for me Chinese was definitely my first twice my was my first um, language and I never went to Chinese school I did take Mandarin in high school for four years and that's that's why I can understand like 60 to 70 percent of like conversational Mandarin but I, I can't really speak it but mm-hmm. I remember my grandpa my mom's side um, that lived with us in our apartment he would always have like like an hour of just like Chinese classes where he'd set us down and I, I like hated those classes. I was like, "I I can't, I don't know what these characters are. I barely know English. And I just remember like this distinct memory of, um, he would always take, we had like a lot of loose leaf paper for some reason, and he would take it and create these like notebooks for us. So he would stack it all together and then cut it in half, stack the two halves together and then hole punch it and like connect the notebook with like twine and create this, like, notebook for me to use as, like, my Chinese learning notebook. And I was like, Grandpa, we have notebooks. What are you, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> and I remember being, like, kind of embarrassed by that because I was like, but why, are you, why is this necessary? But now I see it more as, like, very scrappy and using things that we didn't use, which is just, just, just like, a bunch of
2: loose-leaf paper. It's very crafty, too. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then, Jenna, I think you were talking about, like, traditions, too. Like, Chinese New Year. That, I mean, that is something that I will never forget um, as a child, just the the blasting music throughout like all of our apartments of the like, gong, si gongzi si, go, si like that freaking song that's just like <laughs> yeah. embedded in my head now. Every time Chinese New Year comes along, yeah. And then like my parents would always put like the uh, the oranges with the stems all around mm-hmm. the house, like hanging on the freaking doorway, and I'm just like why? And with the with the green scallion and the the red candies, the lucky candies. So that was was a good memory too.
1: Helen's family definitely is big on Chinese New Year. We were back in Boston um, around that time for an event. And back, I think it was back in February and her house just felt very lively. (laughs) There, There was so much food on the table. It felt very festive. And I would say it's very different than how I grew up because my family, we didn't really like hang things around the wall. The only thing we got was like, Oh, ball or red envelope. Mm-hmm. All the kids are like, yay, money. And then we just eat certain things. But it's always just a dinner and red envelope for me. So very different mm-hmm. than what you grew up on. Janet, was Chinese New Year for you kind of like Helen's family or kind of more like my worth more uh, minimal? Uh, For me, actually, my mom's side,
2: my maternal grandmother, they were really, really big on Chinese New Year. So I remember like going to their house and... We would. They had, like, the, um, the portraits of, like, their fathers and mothers and that kind of a thing. And then I still remember the smell of the incense. So they would put out plates mm. of, like, uh, fruits and, and different snacks. And then, yeah, it was meant to be an offering. So we would do, like, the bowing with the incense and then also, like, the the bowing for, the, like, the red envelopes. Um, and my mm. grandma was, like, a big cook. So she would make these, like, feast-type meals um, and I, I don't know, I still, like, what are the kind of typical Chinese New Year dishes that you would eat? The little, like, root vegetables with the uh, thing that sticks out of it to represent a
0: penis so that... Oh, fertility? fertility. <laughs> yeah. Why well, did I have that? You probably did. And no one ever explained it to you that that's <laughs> yeah. what it was for. <laughs> or, like, steamed fish with... Yeah, um, steamed fish. With the, oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, with the garlic and the scallions. But, yeah, like, Chinese, Chinese food in general, like, that, that is something that I absolutely just miss being yeah. being at home. Like I definitely like the steamed fish, the sauteed garlic and vegetables, tomato and egg, oh, the yeah. marinated yeah. pork with onions, and like bowls of I remember white rice. Like my mom now, she adds brown rice to it and mixes mm. it together. Same. And I'm just yeah. like, Oh my God,
1: same. That's not my childhood. What's going on? <laughs> well yeah, speaking of food, like what did you guys grow up eating and like what type of meals can you remember? I remember distinctly, like, because when my grandparents used to live with us, um, we ate a lot
2: more Chinese food, even like during breakfast, like traditional kind of like um like porridge. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. would have that and then you have all the little dishes, like some sardines, like
1: dried pork sung, um, vegetables. Yeah, I don't know. What about you ladies? I think when Helen talked about the white the white rice, it's very like a distinct memory because I would always be the one that would help them cook it and like, Melody, can you press the button? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll press the button. And my mom would always put like white rice and always put yams oh. in the rice while it cooks. So when you open it and it's fresh, you always eat yam yeah, or sweet potatoes with yeah. your white rice. I think I think a reason for that also is because you don't want to
0: have just just white rice. So my mom will add like a little piece of vegetable or something in it because white represents the color of death. Yeah. So adding more oh. stuff to it is supposed to put some color I guess life into it
2: <laughs> yeah
1: actually that makes a lot a lot of sense I had no idea about that mm. but I think like Janet my I grew up with my grandparents too so on like special occasions my grandma would make like me or rice mm-hmm. noodle and you add like black vinegar to it or there's this thing that she would make with our Nate with our one of our Taiwanese friends oh my god I was, I was like. just thinking that that was oh, my yeah. like, favorite things growing up. Yeah. So she would like take like glutinous rice with like soy sauce, mushrooms, dried shrimp, and veggies, and you'll wrap it in this like leaf, like a banana, banana leaf, right? and you yeah. steam yeah. it, and then we eat it with this like sweet chili mm.
2: sauce.
1: Ugh,
0: Actually, yeah, that sounds so my good. grandma's um, bathtub was always I always had banana leaf in it. Because you have to soak it before you can use mm. it, so I'd always mm. be like, "Where do you shower? When do you shower?" <laughs> she would always be making zhong and like um and putting it into the freezer because you can freeze yeah. it and take it out whenever it's whenever mm. you want to, and even like uh, when I moved here to LA, my mom brought over a suitcase full of frozen dong. And I'm just like, mom, like, I, I have food here. What the heck? <laughs> but it's more of like a, an easily transportable thing that's homemade yeah. that, you know, that you can bring and share. Aww. Oh, that's nice.
2: But we were speaking about language, uh, and I grew up in, in a household that was pretty much predominantly all Mandarin. And um, I started learning English mostly through my mom before school because my parents like she did come here with some knowledge of English even though it was very like kind Mm -hmm. of minimal but my mom was like very aware of the language thing so a lot of my early memories of being in elementary school was like going to the library all the time like she would she made it like a ritual for my sister and I to like check out books and like you know nightly to read through stories Um, and she would put me through like summer classes around like writing programs because she was very like you know adamant about like okay this language thing needs to be something that you pick up unfortunately it kind of like flip-flopped and I feel like now I don't like I used English so much that over the years it just transitioned where I just stopped you know because before it would be like I go to school and I speak English I come home and I speak Chinese still to my grandparents and my parents but slowly I still remember I think it was like junior high when my parents stopped speaking Chinese to us and they started speaking more English And now it's, like, I'm at a place where I can understand most of Mandarin, but it's very hard for me to articulate or, like, have a conversation.
1: Mm. I'm the same. Like, I think once I transitioned to English in preschool, my mom, like, my household only speaks English. And I will speak Mandarin to my stepdad, but i just like when i went back to taiwan i didn't i could understand them generally but communicating with them and even ordering like little things i was like man i'm very um i lost t- touch of my language yeah
0: i definitely feel the same way too especially moving here to la now and not speaking to anyone on a consistent basis because even at home, I think after like middle school or so, it's it becomes like Chinglish, right? Yeah. Like, you, you do yeah. like half English, half Chinese, and your parents are speaking to you in in their their native language, and then you're just speaking back to them in English, and it gets all like muddled. And especially, I'm I'm most sad when I'm talking to like my grandparents, and it's hard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for them to hear you for one, but then also yeah. certain words that you're saying, they're like what are you saying? And I'm like, shit, did I just say that really wrong? Like the t- tone really matters. There's so many different tones in, in our language. So it's like, once you say something just a little off, they're like, the fuck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I think we and Janet are talking about this. About, like, how now we talk to our grandparents, and we both speak Mandarin. It's always the same thing. It's like, how are you doing? Yeah. What are you eating? Oh, it's always yeah. the same. Like, you yeah. recycle same the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's hard because I feel like when I,
2: I don't see them in person as frequently. And when I used to, you at least have, like, hand signals that you can kind of use. But now when they're phone calls, it's like I literally just have my voice. And, like, yeah, it's very minimal yeah. and it becomes, like, jinglish.
0: Yeah. No, I think – I mean, I think it would be really good if we can set up something – through abg to just like get our grandparents stories like how we did with our moms for the abm Mm -hmm. episode that i think that would be a really um especially because like if you have like an outline and you can maybe show them the characters instead of like screaming it into their ear then they can just respond in their in their own way you know like just just a way to capture their stories instead of just having conversations where it's like how are you did you eat yeah um did you go outdoors today like okay do you need anything no okay okay bye (laughs) you know
1: yeah yeah no very true i feel like even when i think i would probably ask my mom to help me translate because there's a lot of times when i'm like at home my mom goes okay we gotta we gotta call grandpa i'm like okay and i'm trying to describe him like what i'm doing with the podcast i was like um it's very like um like a radio and um, i go mom how do you say this in chinese and she'll say it, and i'm like yeah like this (laughs) and i'll try to like go back and forth with each other do you guys remember
0: like Was school and like homework ever difficult for you guys? One memory that I have is that um, because I think everyone in our household knew math, right? Math is something that is kind of like a universal, easy language. Mm -hmm. I remember learning my multiplication like super early, and they would like test me at the dinner table. So before I sat down, they'd be, I remember this distinctly too. My grandpa was like, What is five times nine? And I went to the bathroom to pretend to wash my hand, but I counted five nine times, and I was like, 45, okay. (laughs) And I came back, and I was like, oh, what'd you ask me again? Oh, it's 45. (laughs) 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 But it was clearly because I was, like, counting. Um, But that was, like, one of the things that they pushed very hard on me, which is just, Mm -hmm. like, learn learn your math.
2: Yeah, I definitely... uh, Even... I have memories of before going into, like, formal schooling or after school or during the summers where, yeah, my mom would give us – like, we had a lot of those, like, workbooks, right? So everything from math Mm -hmm. to writing to the alphabet. I think in as late as, like, second grade, I was still in ESL. So I have Mm -hmm. memories of, like, going through that. But I think in hindsight, like, that really helped. And, like, English became one of my, like, favorite subjects later on. But, yeah, definitely in the early years, it was, like, a struggle.
1: Yeah, I feel like I remember – in elementary school when I would go to my neighbor's house to, like, have fun or, like, kind of play with them. My mom goes, no, I gave you extra math problems. She's, like, she took her own notebook and wrote down her individual math problems for me to do on top of my homework mm-hmm. in elementary school. So I couldn't play with them until I finished it and she'll check all my answers i just, like, man, like, why did I get extra homework? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, she sent me to tutoring classes on the weekends. So it's, like, I went to Kumon or it was called Brain child. So I went to that on Saturdays. So I did English and math there. But it kind of helped because, like, I felt like when I went to school, like, elementary school, I remember being very accelerated in math. Mm. Like, we did a thing, kind of like what your grandparents did with you, Helen. We did this thing called Math Around the World where, like, you would do a speed test on, like, addition, subtraction, and multiplication, and division. I would be the first one to be done. And I would beat everyone in the class. And I felt so much pride in that. And it did put me ahead in high school, too. Like, I was always two years ahead in math. Mm. Oh, wow. But now... When you're talking about finances, I'm just like, can you please repeat that? (laughs) I I don't utilize that anymore, you know? It's a different type of math. (laughs) Yeah.
0: For sure. I think something that I always will remember, though, is that, like, my parents were never really able to help me with my homework. And I'm not Mm. sure if that that was the case for you guys, too. But I I remember always being jealous that the other kids' parents, like, sometimes, I don't know, maybe, like, did their homework for them or at least, like, helped them to check it to make sure it was correct. But Mm. my mom helped me with, like, math until a certain grade. And... I think English, I was, like, basically on my own. And I remember sitting with my mom, like, I forget what grade it was, but she was, like, trying her best to help me out. And we kind of just, like, sat there in silence. And we were, like, we kind of both knew that she couldn't help me anymore in my Mm -hmm. studies. And I was still pretty young, too. And I think after that, she would just, like, fall asleep next to me and support me that way by being like present next to me while I did my homework and then like when I got older like into high school I remember she would go to bed earlier and I was like no I need my mom next to me to do my homework because I stayed up to like 1 or 2 a.m like ever since middle school to do my homework I I think I was pretty I was very like OCD and I was like a crazy perfectionist back then and so Mm -hmm. that also played into like doing everything like perfectly and also just making sure that I was learning without without any help but i remember i remember that moment it was a like kind of a sad moment too because we just like understood yeah. you know that she couldn't help me anymore oh i'm like getting choked Aww. up thinking about that yeah
1: no your mom is like so kind and so sweet like when you're telling the story like it's not it's not surprising she would do that because we met her she's very warm she's not like the type of mother who would do yeah. that with you you know
2: but it, there's something to Aww. say about like just having the presence there right and supporting in in that way Ah, oh, that is and, really beautiful yeah. Yeah, I, yeah i equally have like A lot of memories of staying up late with, like, my parents. With math, English, I'm, like, I have a hard time remembering, like, how they helped me with that. But math, I remember in middle Mm. school, I was, like, super, like, I got, like, super OCD about it. And I'm, like, I need to understand everything. And so there were were a Mm. lot of nights where they, after work, would stay up and, like, help me with my math homework late into the evening. So in hindsight, I was, like, damn, I so appreciate that because you know at that that's like yeah. a later
1: age too in like junior high I feel like your experiences like even though my mom gave me like math homework like to be honest my mom's how she would tutor me was completely opposite of your parents or Helen's mom like my mom was extremely strict when it came to work mm. like i think at a younger age to be honest my mom wasn't as nurturing as she was as she is now like I had this distinct memory and like I don't know if this is like a very like I can't see other people other parents doing this to their child but it was fifth grade I remember I needed my mom to sign a sheet for me for like for part of my like research project or something and my mom hates it when I give her things when she's about to sleep like I don't know that that was a thing but as a child you forget little like things right and I asked her to sign something she goes I am not gonna sign this it's so, like you gave it to me too late i am not gonna sign it you're gonna have to like just tell your teacher that that you're the one that gave it to me late and I'm, i refuse to sign it Oof. and so the next day i had to tell my teacher my mom didn't sign this form it affected my grade and i was kind of like i was so like mad because i'm just like what the fuck like i worked so hard on this and i just forgot just because i forgot to have you sign one sheet of paper you refused to sign this and then i just felt very embarrassed and so my mom was like super straight like mm-hmm. she i get this from her too her patience with me when she's explaining math was just not there. Like she would get so mad at me. And then she was like, how do you not understand this? And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't get what you're saying. Yeah. And so then like, even now when I see my own patients, I'm just like, well, I get this from you. So <laughs> It's very, uh, it's just very common. So I feel like my, like my working sessions with my mom, they weren't really fond memories at all. Mm.
0: I mean, it was a different way of like um, just making sure that you could be maybe more like independent and like yeah. follow follow the rules and, and putting you into your place, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. very. So that, I think like I always thought, never thought my mom was a tiger mom, but in those aspects, yeah. I'm like, yeah, she was. She's we
0: we've, we've met her too, and she's literally the sweetest. Sweet. freaking mom she's so (laughs) sweet and her food is so good she's cooked for us twice now
2: yeah but to your point i think it's like you know parenting styles of a lot of like asian culture is about um, showing love through discipline and through tough Mm -hmm. love right so to create that structure Mm -hmm. for you and to create good habits um and like understanding deadlines and abiding by them and understanding consequences
1: yeah for sure well you know speaking about tutoring and our parents like do you guys remember being punished as a child because i do think you know growing up in an asian household you know they have their own ways of punishing and disciplining their children, right? Do you remember any of that those memories? Because I have distinct memories of that for sure. Linked to tutoring, really. Share, <laughs> sure, share, Mel. Share. When as a child, like since my mom would get so frustrated with me, like my mom definitely like, spanked me and hit me as a kid. Like she'll hit my arm, and I didn't understand something, and I'm just like, I didn't mean to not get it, and now I'm getting punished. And like, did she use her hands? She used her hands. Mm. She never used like anything to hit me with. Yeah and i was afraid of my mom growing up because she would hit me as a kid and then i would hide behind my grandma and there's moments i'm just like "Ama," ma which i it's grandma in you she's like i was like i'm so scared and she's like it's okay i will talk to your mom and she'll be like oh it's okay she forgot she'll like try to defend me Aww. when she can so I, that's why i loved my grandma so much growing up and also i was like so mad because like my mom had my brother he never got spanked at all <laughs> and then i was just like that's not fair but he turned out really well so watching like her punished me and then her punished my brother i was like you honestly don't need to hit a child for them to be a good kid or understand Mm -hmm. so like now i'm just like okay noted like i had to be the guinea pig to (laughs) for this experiment but one more story i remember too is like so in my household like my cousins would come over a lot as we started to get older and i watched my grandma punish my cousins Mm -hmm. And it was very different than my mom because, like, my mom would just hit or, like, yell at us. My grandma would, like – In Mandarin, it's called fatzan. Like, you have mm-hmm. to stand there by the wall, look at the wall, or sometimes, like, raise your hand and, like, kind of stand in this position yeah. or, like, go in the garage and lo- or stare at the it's wall. It's, like, time like, out. really very, like – I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't hear that, in, like, with my other friends of different races, like, how, how they got punished that way. Like, oh, stare at a wall and raise your hands. Mm-hmm.
0: Actually, when the, yeah. the more you talk about this, the more it reminds me now of, like, Annie, my sister, and my mom. Mm-hmm. Like, Annie is the one that punishes uh, Tyler her, her uh-huh. son. Um, and my mom is always he's every time he stands in a corner because he, he knows how to time out now he actually does it um, very automatically when she does time out <laughs> he'll, like, he'll just go to the wall and like she'll be like stare at the wall and he'll stand there but then he'll be like Papa. like he's, she's the first person and she'll come over and be like it's okay stand there <laughs> like, but she, she's also very um nurturing so i could totally see mm-hmm. that sort of playing out mm-hmm. it's like once it's not your direct uh child yeah. then you can be a little bit more loving so you got the discipline and the love. Oh, yeah. That's a good yeah. that's a good balance actually. Discipline it's like and love good cop, from like Good cop,
2: bad cop, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Has
0: Tyler ever asked for you? Yes. When, you were there? when I am on FaceTime, he'll be like, Auntie, Auntie,
2: Auntie. I'm like, Tyler,
0: you can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and he's recently started saying, um, go pee, go pee. Like he needs to pee every time he's in the oh, corner. He's and he's
2: learned some like yeah.
0: Yeah, loopholes. And ray's like you do not my sister is a husband he's like you do not need to pee right now he's like go pee <laughs> and he'll go to the bathroom and there'll be like a little trickle like clearly he could have held it but mm. he'll like force it out or something <laughs> mischievous
1: what for a smart
2: kid yeah
1: like were you guys not punished as a kid like that in that way do i you guys remember i have memories
2: of the way i was punished changing as i got older so i when i was mm. young i did i was spanked like with palm on the butt, um also with slippers and with mm. uh with like the clothes hanger. But I remember my parents distinctly like as I got a little bit older, they started feeling like it was wrong. And so mm. it became much more like go to the bathroom and stay in there for like 30 minutes or so. So it was like a version of timeout. Maybe I don't know if this is cultural too, but your guilt is so guilt is so high. So that was it was like emotional punishment if mm. they say I'm yeah. disappointed in you or like something like that. And then you would just go I would just go to my room and like cry so there was like an evolution of discipline that happened mm. asian guilt is a thing yeah for sure yeah
0: i think it was the same i don't remember being punished too much when i was a kid i definitely got like the butt slaps <laughs> the butt slaps, <laughs> the spanks <laughs> the spanking <laughs> i know when i was like when i was a uh, in seventh and eighth grade that's when i had like my very very like bad period of my life and i was skipping school mm-hmm. and Going to They're the smoking leaves. <laughs> going to the forest to smoke stupid leaves, and that was like a and stealing things too, and getting caught for stealing things, and they would have to come and get me from like Walmart or wherever I was. That's when they like hit me with a with like a hanger on my butt. Mm. Oh my gosh, I like remember like you know when you just have like visions of your childhood and it's yeah. so strong. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered the anger in my dad's face, and yeah, like you were saying, Janet, the disappointment that you're you're like bringing onto them is something that like sticks with me yeah and i always say that it's it's good to go through that period of time or for me at least because now i would never ever think about like stealing or anything like that yeah because i'm like oh, mm-hmm. I already got a taste of it it yeah. kind of
2: sucks
1: <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. learned your lesson for you guys um was it like because for me it was my mom always punishing me because mm-hmm. like i feel like my stepdad was like nope that's i i don't want it like i don't want to discipline yeah but then mm-hmm. Was it both your parents? It's funny you guys, or your dad or your mom? It, it was mostly my mom.
0: Those two times that I um, got caught for stealing is when my dad came in and got really mad. and that that's Ooh. why I have such distinct memories of that. I mean, you guys have met him before. He's so like chill. He's a chill. He's a chill yeah, he's dude. Cool. <laughs> and <sighs> to see him so angry, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is a bad thing that I did you know and Mm -hmm. that really put me in check yeah
2: I think my mom was mostly the disciplinarian um and that usually worked for me but with my sister my sister was actually Mm. very like as a young kid she was like super fussy so when my mom couldn't handle her then she would be like she would hand her to my dad but for me Mm. I was usually pretty obedient so I feel like it was mostly mostly with my mom I wonder how you ladies are gonna be with your kids Oh, man. I don't. Yeah. I I mean, the way that I would kind of test it is like I did have a lot of younger cousins growing up. And I feel like um, Mm. when I would kind of babysit them, I was not really a disciplinarian, but more of a caretaker, I guess. I guess it'll depend on what how my husband is. Right. Mm, I think I would rather be the good cop. And I need like a stronger disciplinarian husband. <laughs> I don't know. What about you, ladies? I think I'm gonna be very similar to my
0: sister. I think I'm gonna be the bad cop. Actually, I don't know. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think I would put up. I think I would get fed up by childlike behavior. <laughs> mm. Really? I can see. I can see myself and my mom in the the very nurturing like empathetic way and then Mm -hmm. i could see myself and my sister just getting like fed up with like if they're constantly like if they're like throwing Mm -hmm. their clothes around or something right then it's like you stand in the corner you pick up your clothes yeah yeah (laughs) And being very strict with Mm -hmm. them so i can't tell right now
1: what about mel I have memories of like, like you, Janet, I had like, I'm the oldest, so all my cousins are much younger than me. But what happened was my best friend, Vicky, would always be with me when like, I'm hanging out with my cousins and he did something wrong. And I would be like, don't do that, Christopher. Chris, don't do that. And I'll start yelling Mm. and she's laughing at me. And I'm like, dude, this is not good. Like, you can't be laughing at me when I'm disciplining Mm. someone. So I always have memories of like, maybe maybe my kids won't take me seriously, you know? Actually, now that
2: you mentioned that, I do remember, yeah, when I was younger with the younger cousins, I had my friends comment that I would like spoil them. So maybe I am gonna be the the softy. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Let's wait for episode uh one hundred. <laughs> and that's pretty ninety two okay, hundred.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, maybe right, five hundred. One hundred's coming up at the end of the year, ladies. <laughs>
1: Skillshare is a sponsor of today's episode of Asian Boss Girl. We know our listeners are often busy with work, school, or side hustles, lots of external obligations. As always, we hope you are taking time to focus on you and develop your own interests. Skillshare is a great resource that offers class designed for real life so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. You can learn and grow with short classes that fit your busy routine.
2: They offer a wide variety of classes like iPhone Filmmaking and Design Great Stuff, How to Make Merch. Or if you're looking for more lifestyle classes, they offer everyday minimalism, find calm and creativity in living simply. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare.
0: Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com ABG and get two free months of premium membership. That's right, Skillshare is offering Asian Boss Girl listeners two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes. Head to Skillshare.com ABG. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet.
1: Did you two ever visit the motherland? And what do you remember from this experience?
2: Ooh, okay. So my memory of going to Asia for the very first time is very distinct because the first time that I went to anywhere in Asia, it was to China. And this was actually before my parents were born in Taiwan. So even before they had been to China before, um, my sister was in Chinese school in high school and her class was taking a trip. So I think I've said on the podcast before, we grew up in Orange County. So her entire Chinese class was like white people. Her Chinese teacher was a white man. What? Yeah, so they planned the trip and you were able to bring like family and, um, and friends along. My parents and my uncles and aunts decided that it would be nice if like myself and my cousins and my sister all went. So it was a very strange experience of going to China for the first time before my parents had even been to China with my sister's Chinese class of all white people. Mm, <laughs> and so we, yeah, we traveled around. And, and of course it's like a tour group, right? So I'm going to see all these like big historical monuments in China in a tour group with all all of these white people and half the time there's like, the teacher is supposed to be the person who's knowledgeable about the language, but half the time it's kind of like looking at our, like our family (laughs) for translation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was very strange and interesting experience. And I, I do remember also feeling that like judgment of being in China and being obviously recognized as not, natively chinese even if i was like not with the group of 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 our tour like say like i wandered by myself to like go look for a restroom or something but just by the way that i dressed by the way that like i walked i don't know like people could pick it up and it was this intense Mm -hmm. feeling of being very like in a familiar but like very foreign kind of setting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know how about you ladies i visited
0: twice once when i was very young about four years old and once when i was in high school um Ping, where my mom is from is part of the countryside so it's considered farmland and the distinct features i remember were lots of greenery um there's like these dirt paths off the main road that led to these like gray brick gates that were carved with a family name to whose family's Mm -hmm. village it was so at my mom's village, there was like a body of water. There was an ox. There were chickens running around. Lots of these like gray bricked buildings that were about like two to three stories high and were connected with like narrow alleyways in between the buildings. And this general feeling of like community and hominess and just like openness. So all the meadow doors on the homes were like open. You could peek your head in. Everyone recognized my mom, even though it'd been like 20 years since the second time when we were high school, when we went back um and then we were also there for like dinner time and everyone was like bringing out their own foods and kind of sharing with the community so it was just like a very it was a very nice definitely very different from where i grew up and it was good to see where my mom grew up cuz she'd always say like I could never get chicken or I could never get whatever. So you should be grateful for what's on your plate. And I Mm -hmm. think just like seeing that in person was Mm -hmm. very, a very humbling experience. So when we'd gone back, uh, she went back to her old home, which is already boarded up. And so she had someone help to like take the, take the wooden boards off. Uh, So it was like completely dark in there and we went to her bedroom, which was upstairs and there was still like a dresser there and in the dresser she had jewelry and she had these like old photos and so we were just like going through her old stuff. Um, that she was taking back. I don't remember what the purpose was for going there, but she was, like, very, very happy to, like, show me. This is where I used to comb my hair every night, and this Aww. is where, you know, Aww. I'd sleep. And I'm just like, really? You, live- you grew up here? What the heck? Because it's, like, it's literally, like, village. Village community. Like you were saying, Janet, it's a weird feeling to be there, though, because like i could speak the language but they clearly saw that i was like a um, they called me a juxing, which means mm. literally is translated to bamboo rod and it's used to identify someone who is of chinese descent but that is uh westernized so mm. it's kind of like the opposite of mm. in america when people say oh you're a banana mm. right yellow on the outside white on the inside so bamboo it's like chinese on the outside but like hollow on the inside mm. so they would be like oh that juxing is here i'm like oh so yeah like you were saying it's like you neither feel here nor there in america it's like you're not fully fully accepted and then in china you're like this is part of me but i don't really connect
1: with it Mm -hmm. how about you mel yeah my experience has been very different than both of you guys um i was extremely fortunate to go to taiwan at a very young age like i remember going there when i was one and i went back almost every year for a few months until i was like five and i went back every other year after that since until now so My grandparents brought me back um, when I was really young and I still have like, my mom has like VHS videos of me like exploring Taiwan and just like memories of my aunts and uncles and my extended family in Taiwan. But my trip or memories from Taiwan has always been, like, I would stay a portion in Taipei, the city, and then I'd go to the countryside, where my grandpa's family's from, and kind of, like, go back and forth. In Taipei, we lived really close to where my mom went to elementary school, so we walk to the mall, and mom goes, oh, that's what the elementary school I went to. This is, like, she could point out all these different, like, locations she has memories on, so I feel like I kind of, like, was brought back to my mom's world. And you see all these high schoolers in Taipei, like they always have cleaning hour where they're brushing like the mm-hmm. floors with these like wooden, and with these straw um, brooms. So I could just envision my mom as like an elementary school student. The weekends we go to the countryside where is it's called Xinsu. Um, but there's, Xinsu is also very city-like, but there's also country aspects. So we would spend weekends there with my great grandparents and my my mom's cousins, so my aunts and uncles were all come. So it felt like a large gathering. Mm. I, w- I would always look forward to those days where like we had prayer, and that's when they like, cook like the big feast and like get the chicken. And, like you bring all the stuff to the like. They have a third floor where you have the, like the pictures of your ancestors and you put all the food down. You you bye-bye right with the mm-hmm. incense sticks, mm-hmm. and I always loved doing that because I'm just like oh this feels so different. Yeah, there's like these fond memories that felt very drastic from each other because I had the city life and the country life and i just felt like i was really like immersed into like my grandparents' story and my mom's story just being back in taiwan like all the time i learned at a young age i'm like my grandma was actually given away as a kid she was adopted but her biological parents were extremely rich and so by the time i she had my mom and i was born she was able to like get close with her like biological sister so i remember going back to like my great grandparents' house and they had a mansion and i would go there and play with my other like extended cousins and play in like the koi fish pond in like this big ass house mm. but there's one more memory I, re- I remember is that when i was seven or eight my uncle got married in Shingzu, the countryside and it was like this huge celebration where there was like 20 uh 20 tables lined up plastic coverings plastic bowls and like the brides wearing gold and like the red gown and you would like see everyone in the city or in that village come together to celebrate mm-hmm. this wedding and my uncles he always jokes around to, to this day he's like yeah melody or you could have a wedding like me where i didn't know like 75 percent of the people there but it was really cheap because <laughs> you have this chef in the back just cooking all this, yeah. this gigantic meal for everyone but yeah i guess like looking back you know traveling to my motherland has uh, brought me so much pride being you know taiwanese american like, it was it, just so much nostalgia there for me. I remember, like, specific places for breakfast my grandparents would take me. Or, like, there's this pork chop rice place that I've been eating at since I was four. And it's a place where I always go to when I'm back in Taiwan. I actually brought Helen there three years ago. It was, I was so good. like, this good. is the place I eat at. Yeah. And I was like, Super good. it's so effing good. And so just, like, I don't know. it's it, Whenever I land in Taiwan, I'm just like, oh, I feel like I'm back. I never felt like a sense of like other in Taiwan, maybe Mm -hmm. because at a young age, I always felt like I belonged, Mm -hmm. maybe because I've always been surrounded by family or like extended friends of my family. And I just feel like being exposed to my culture and this Asian American identity from the get-go, like it just left an undeniable surge of pride. Yeah. It's interesting because like, so I talked
2: about going to China, which is where my grandparents are from. I actually had not been to Taiwan where my parents and my aunts and uncles were born Mm -hmm. until I was probably after college was my first time to Taiwan and the first trip that I went was with my mom my dad my sister and we did the whole Mm -hmm. like family tour of my parents we went to where my mom grew up where my dad grew up and like their old school Um, my mom showed yeah like where we used to eat and that kind of a thing um so it's it's, yeah it was interesting that I kind of got that exposure later and Taiwan and China are so different too so it was just a very Mm. yeah very very different trips
1: did you feel othered in Taiwan Janet or no
2: um You know, I think, I feel like Taiwan, there's a general demeanor where the culture is just a little bit more like, I don't want to say polite, they're like a little bit softer, I guess, or a little bit like... Uh, cause we went to, in the same trip, we also went to Beijing for the World Expo. So like in, or, oh, wow. or no, it was in Shanghai, Shanghai for the World Expo. So Shanghai is like large city. I feel like it's like a New York city where people are like really rough and like aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then Taiwan is this very like, kind of like, I feel like it's more like San Francisco. It's more like toned down and people are super polite and you go into the hotels and people are like bowing and taking your bags. I didn't feel other than Taiwan, but I think I definitely, it just felt so different because Taiwan mm. is like an island, right? And I don't know why as a mm-hmm. person, I just never registered that because I had always had the image of China. Yeah. But it's like when you go to Taiwan, like we went, it's it's like a pretty, like you could, we drove to different places where there, it was more like island-like or more like greenery. Mm. And it, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, yeah, duh. It's like a tropical place, right? <laughs> um, so.
1: <laughs> no, I feel you actually. Yeah,
2: so it's, it's, it's very, very different feels. It's interesting to me because I'm like, oh, when I have kids, will I – I mean, it'd be awesome to take them to both locations, right? It's kind of crazy.
0: That going back to the
2: first organism
0: of our family, like they've lived in Asia the whole time. And we are the first ones mm-hmm. to kind of like burn that or like singe that bridge a little bit and not, not be, you know, so fully connected, at least for me, not feeling so fully connected to like my heritage and my culture. Like going back to where my parents grew up, I was just like, I can never see myself raising kids here I could I could like they can't even see themselves living that life anymore it's like a Mm. really sad thing to sort of think about how one generation can make such a big difference yeah I like looked at Philip yesterday as I was like thinking of this topic and I was like I think I want to have a Chinese wedding now because I don't want to break those traditions you know it is a very Mm. traditional thing to do and I saw it more as, like, a, a place of just, like, saving time and money and all of this stuff. And I'm like, but maybe maybe it is important to me that I continue to hold on to those mm-hmm. traditions.
1: I think you're right, Helen, because, like, down the line, your kids are going to be asking, like, hey, mom and dad, can I see, you know, the the wedding photos? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, what is that what is that banquet thing? And then you explain to them what it is versus not even having mm-hmm. it. They, they wouldn't even have... That exposure to them, you know what I mean?
0: I think maybe I'm, like, in this very nostalgic, like, weird place right now thinking about my culture and how separated I feel from it. And I'm like, I'm going to have a Chinese wedding. And then a year (laughs) from now, I'll be like, eh, it's okay. I'll just do a tea ceremony.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's something, you know? It's interesting, Helen, that you're saying, because your family, I guess, for many generations were, were in China, right? And then your generation with your sister are the first to be born in the U.S., and I think for me, like because my grandparents immigrated from China to Taiwan and then my parents immigrated mm-hmm. from Taiwan to the US, um, I mm-hmm. feel somewhat of a I feel like sometimes like there is somewhat of an understanding because they were also feeling like in an in-between spot where they were raised oh. by parents who were in a somewhat different culture. And then not only that, but then they physically themselves have moved to another place to then raise their family. So it would be yeah. it would be like mm-hmm. us moving to like Europe and then having our kids there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've talked about that too, how it feels
1: for them, particularly this very transient, very kind of like funky limbo. So I guess like when did you feel like you had this dual identity of being Asian and American?
0: I mean, I think another part of just feeling so disconnected to um, like mainland china for me is that like it's hard because it's like on a day-to-day basis sometimes you see someone who is like fresh off the boat like my mom connects with you and everyone Mm -hmm. else from my lineage connects with you in my mind i'm just like Mm -hmm. being pulled in these like into these two different worlds and it's so difficult to like mentally bridge like okay well who am i in this like observation of these people and how am Mm -hmm. i supposed to feel about this it like it really does um highlight the difference between like asian and american especially mm-hmm. in those moments for
1: mm-hmm. me. So I think for me, um, I was reflecting about my identity and I talked to my mom. And I realized that like growing up in my household, it was very Asian American. It probably more emphasis on the Asian because I do think my mom is a little, more, a little bit more traditional. But I think the fact that my mom came here at such a young age, she assimilated to the American culture and she understood it right away. She had to deal with the racism or trying to transition versus my brother and I were like, okay, like this is how we live. It's very normal. Like in my house, even food, like we would have meatloaf and then we have like Chinese food the next day. Like it'd be a blend. It wasn't just Chinese food. And like, I think speaking English and like Mandarin at the same time also played into that. And like, there's a lot of like American, like little significant things that my mom just understood that I feel like I didn't have to explain to her. She had explained to me, like I remember even graduating high school. She was like, I know graduation is a huge deal. Like, and I remember in high school in Hawaii, like it was a big thing to get legs to do all this stuff. So she made sure that my brother and I graduated high school, we got the same thing. So she kind of, like, got these little, like, American, like, tidbits or, like, values and instilled in my brother and I. Mm -hmm. And, Janet, you're talking about, like, how you felt kind of, like, I guess, othered in China. I remember being in Taiwan, I felt like I didn't feel othered because there's this term called ABC, like, Mm -hmm. American-born Chinese. I don't know how I knew this or, like, maybe just people in Taiwan told me. They're like, oh, we think American people are really cool. So it Mm -hmm. was, like, cool for me to speak broken Chinese. And it was cool for me to be from California, you know. Mm -hmm. In a sense, in Taiwan, I felt like like a slight advantage growing up. Like, being in my teenage years in Taiwan, Mm I was like, oh, that's the girl from California. Oh, interesting. Versus like, oh, that's the girl from California, like, in in disguise. So it was, like, a positive Mm -hmm. thing. It was a positive thing, yeah.
2: I think for me, I – so I did grow up in Orange County, and there are parts of Orange County where there are a lot of Asian people, but where I grew up, um, I had, like, Asian friends, but actually not very many Chinese ones – and so, uh, but an hour away on the weekends, we would go visit my cousins uh, in Roland Heights. And that is where there's a lot of like Asian population. So I'd have this kind of weird experience. And I think I've talked about this before. Of You know, on the weekdays, I'd feel othered because I wasn't white or, you know, I didn't have a lot of like Asian people mm-hmm. around me or Chinese people. And the weekends I would go and I'd be around a lot of Chinese people. But I had like cousins around my age and they would refer to us as like whitewashed, you know. And it, it was just, mm-hmm. so I did... I did kind of constantly feel like I didn't have a place that I belonged, so to say. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate going on the weekends to Roll on Tights, though, because I loved being,
1: I think, around that kind of hodgepodge of, like, Asian-American culture. I had a question, um, Jenna. as you're speaking. Like, we you know when your your cousins felt like you were whitewashed. Like, what made you – like, what did they say that made you whitewashed?
2: Um, I mean, I, small things like – uh like the way you dress so like skater skater wear was like I think my sister was probably referred to more she was younger so she kind of I think being the older in the household you kind of retain a little bit the culture more because then I like I I learned English a bit later and then so she learned with me so she was much younger when she kind of like Mm -hmm. stopped even though her Chinese is better than mine um but she's just fully like a lot more integrated a lot like uh with her with her style and her friends growing up um so yeah it was like the way maybe clothes we wore even sometimes like the way you talk sometimes like um people say you sound like a valley girl Uh, i don't know that Mm. we had that sometimes it's the same way as like if you when i went to to beijing or taiwan you walk down the street and you know that you just don't completely like You know, maybe you don't know the same songs that people are listening to. You don't watch the Mm. same shows. Like It's like small pop culture things that are distinctly different Mm. when you're in an Asian-American place versus kind of like a non-Asian-American place. Um, Like, even Boba. Um, I I went through a huge Boba obsession phase when I was in, like, junior high, but it was never in Mission Viejo. Like, Irvine was kind of the closest Mm. place, but even then, it wasn't really big there. So every weekend, I would,
1: like, twice, like, get Boba in, like, a day or something like that. I'm only asking because, like, I feel like where I grew up, like, there wasn't, like... I don't know anyone in my, like, my friend group that was considered whitewashed because I grew up around so many Asian-Americans. Even the term ABG, that's not something that was used in my school.
2: So Mm. when you talk about, Mm. like... Even like the clothing and the style, the hairstyles, where you talk about like the AZN, like the bangs parting. I uh, understood that because I would on the weekends go to, to you know, to Roland Heights area. But if you were in Mission Viejo and you like referenced any of those things, like no one knows what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> Oh, man, ladies, there seems like there's so much to unravel and uncover in terms of our identity. I feel like we could do this in another episode. So hopefully we covered a lot of topics reflecting back on our childhood, being Asian, Asian Asian-American, you know, from how we were raised by our family to, you know, memories of being our motherland. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I think one of my favorite things about this also is that even though we're three together doing this podcast
0: and, you know, on the outside, we are... Chinese, Taiwanese, Asian Americans living in Los Angeles, we have such nuanced and different stories. And I, yes. I, it's so cool to hear each of your stories, too, and just how different our parents were yeah. and where they grew mm-hmm. up and our experiences visiting the motherland. And then yet here we are just sitting together. It's Really good friends, and yeah, it's cool. It's
2: good. Yeah, for you. and we hope that this encourages you guys to have conversations with your friends and your parents and your families, um, because there is so much to unearth. I didn't know half the stuff that I learned about you guys today. Yeah. Well, you can
0: find us on all the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can also do that at anchor.fm slash Asian Boss Girl.
1: We're also very active on social media, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Asian Boss Girl. And we just started a YouTube channel, so you can find us at Asian Boss Girl there as well. So we're trying something new. So let us know you're listening to our podcast by taking a screenshot of your phone, share on your IG story, and tag us, and you can even include your favorite quote, and we will restory. story.
2: We also have some awesome partnerships that we're very happy to share with you all. I've been using BetterHelp, the world's largest online counseling platform to take care of my own mental health. I have a dedicated therapist uh, who I can message anytime and meet with through weekly live sessions. It's been a really positive experience. So if you'd like to try it out as well, uh, the details are in our show notes.
0: Another partnership that we have going on is with Daily Harvest. They are an online food subscription service that provides healthy food and options delivered to your door. I love the smoothies, and they also have these really good harvest bowls. So it's a meal in a cup, and it makes it super simple.
1: Damn, that sounds good. Um, I've been also taking care of my health by using Ritual Vitamins, which is a daily multivitamin made especially for women. So if you guys want to try these out, you can also check the links and codes in our show notes. Thanks, guys, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.
2: Bye!